How's everybody doing? Yes, it's an amazing time of worship. Amen. Awesome. Um, well, I hope you guys are all doing well. Um, and so if you've been joining us, this is our third week in a series called How Not to Wreck Your Life. Um, it's been great so far. And if you've been able to be a part of those services and to watch those videos, um, thank you for joining us. But if you haven't, that's totally okay. I really just want to encourage you um, just to go back and to watch those on Facebook or YouTube. Um, that can be nothing, and I promise nothing um, but helpful and encouraging to you. Um, and so I just really highly encourage you to do that. And just So for a quick recap, the first week, um, Doug really defined for us what the true meaning of biblical wisdom was. Um, and he taught us how important it is that as we go through this series and as we go through life and we pick up pieces of biblical wisdom, that we don't just absorb it, but that we go out and we live it. Um, we do what the Bible tells us, we just don't hear it. Um, and so then the second week came, and last week he talked about how there are two ways that we can choose to live. He talked about the path of the wise, and he talked about the path of the foolish. And so tonight, um, as we dive into Proverbs chapter 10, we're just going to be looking at the different kind of impact that choosing one of those paths can have on our lives. Um, and so we're going to be comparing and contrasting the two, um, the paths that are laid out before us. And so um, as we dive into it, we're just going to look at the different ripples that it causes in our lives. And so this is what Proverbs chapter 10, verses 1 through 5 says. It says, A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is a sorrow to his mother. Treasures gained by wickedness do not profit, but righteousness delivers from death. The Lord does not let the righteous go hungry, but he thwarts the craving of the wicked. A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. And he who gathers in the summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who brings shame. Um, and so I just want to talk about how we make a lot of decisions every day. We make decisions from what shoes to wear um, to what job we want to take or um, even how we react in certain situations. And so one of these things that I, one of the things that I don't think we always do when we tend to make decisions is think about how they affect others. Our decisions tend to impact others in different ways. They can impact them physically, it can impact them emotionally, and it can impact them spiritually. Um, and the same goes for whatever decision we choose and whatever path we choose to go down, whether that be the path of the wise or the path of the wicked. Um, and in verse 1, I think we can see that the decisions of the son affect the parents. When the son chooses to walk in the way of the wise, he pleases his father. But when he walks in the way of the foolish, he hurts his mother. So Solomon in the scripture is trying to point out that our decisions impact others. And so not only is he telling us that our decisions impact others, but by using the example of a father and a mother, he's telling us that our decisions, no matter what they are, mostly impact those that are closest to us. Those that we love the most and love us the most. And so he's 100% right. Whether we think about it or not, our decisions tend to do that. They can either hurt those we love or they can build them up. So those who choose to walk in the way of the wicked tend not to think about others when they make their decisions. They don't care about the impact or wake they leave behind them. And I notice, and I love how Solomon points that out, that a foolish son makes his mother sorrowful. The choice of the son had an emotional and hurtful impact on his mother. And how, so how often do you think about the emotional impact you were having on someone? Um, when I was around 12 years old, I um, first started singing and so you guys see me sing all the time, but when I first started, I was really um, scared. And it's a very vulnerable thing, you know, to get up on a stage and to sing. And um, so one time, it was my, one of my first few times singing, and I invited a friend, uh, a few friends and their parents to come. And after, you know, already being vulnerable, I had one of their dads say to me, 
um, you should just stick to playing sports. Man, and that hurt. I mean, and, and so how often do we think about what we say or what we do, right? Sometimes the path of the foolish can leave an emotional impact of hurt and pain, even when we don't think about it. I'm sure he just meant it as a joke, and it, it's kind of funny, and it was my first few times. But it's still, today, I can, it's hard for me sometimes to get up here. It's hard for me to share what I create because somebody said that to me. And so they, if we choose the path of the foolish, um, we make an emotional impact that can cause hurt and pain. And this is what sorrow is defined as. It's defined as a deep stress or disappointment. And so can you see this happening in your life? Do those closest to you often seem upset or hurt by the decisions you're making, by the things you're saying? These are probably good indicators that you're probably walking down the path of the foolish. When you're living inconsiderate of other people's feelings, you will leave an impact that is hurtful. And so this is what the, the foolish do. They, they leave an impact that tends to cause emotional hurt. Um, i just leave that there. But they tend to do that. But the way of the wise, they realize the impact that they can have and they act on that. Instead of just caving into their own personal desires, they turn to a more biblical response. That's what the wise do. They impact people biblically with the biblical response. They seek to make a decision that allows for building people up instead of tearing them down. Wise people take into consideration the impact that their decisions can have on other people's lives and the way their decisions can directly affect the kingdom. When we choose to live a life of righteousness, we add value to the lives closest to us. Our decisions don't only benefit our lives, but hopefully it benefits theirs too. Um, so about two years ago, there was a time in my life when I was considering leaving Florida. Um, I was about to graduate from UCF, and so I was looking to moving forward and getting a seminary degree. Um, and so I was looking at schools, you know, as close as North Carolina or as far away as Arizona and California. Um, but at that time, Kelsey and I had been dating for around two years. Um, and so she was a pretty big part of my life. So if my decision of leaving and going to seminary would have really affected her. And if I would have picked a foolish decision, I wouldn't have consulted her on how she felt. I would have made the best decision for my life or what I saw fit. And I would have maybe just left or gone and done what I thought was good for me without any regard to the relationship we'd been building. But instead, luckily, I had some great counsel who pointed out to me that that was foolish. And so I asked Kelsey what she thought about me leaving for seminary. I asked how she felt about it and how she thought it would affect her in our relationship. So we, along with my parents, packed up for a few weeks, and we went and traveled around and looked at different seminaries together. Um, and so for me, choosing that wise path allowed a couple of things. First off, it gave me another perspective at the opportunity that lay in front of me. And secondly, it allowed her to share her heart with me and her desires with me for her future. Because of my decision, I decided to stay. Obviously, I'm here. I decided to stay and work at Cross Life, um, and I put the possibility of going to seminary off for the future. But I was able to grow in my role here at the church. I was able to get married, and we bought a house, and we made roots here. But if I had chosen to leave, I can say that by now I'd probably have a master's degree, but I wouldn't have a house, I wouldn't have a wife, and I probably wouldn't have a job. So making that decision to stay not only impacted my life for the better, but hopefully Kelsey would say it impacted hers for the better too. <laughs> um, and so how do you make that switch? How do you go from possibly making a foolish decision to making a wise decision? That can either call a cause sorry, an emotional negative impact or one that is biblical and builds people up. 
Well, I think an important step is to surround yourself with people that you can allow to speak into your life. Seek counsel. Ask others what they think. Ask others what they feel. That is so important for us to do. And so that's how you can move in this area from the way of the foolish to the way of the wise. And so Solomon continues on to talk more about the impact of the foolish and the wise in verse 2 when he says this, Treasures gained by wickedness do not profit, but righteousness delivers from death. In this life, I think we're all striving towards something, whether that's financial stability, whether that's um, pursuing a certain job or getting a certain, owning a certain car or something. We all work towards goals and we all work towards achievements. Um, each generation, at least I find, strives to be better than the generation before them. And so, Sol- but one of the words Solomon uses is profit. And so I think Solomon wrote that the works of the foolish will have no value. I think what he's getting at here is mostly related to finances because a huge part of quote-unquote success in our world is having financial power. We think that to be impactful, we need to be influential. And to have status, to be influential, we need to have money. And to have money, we need to be smart. We need to be creative. We need to work hard. And I know this is a trap that I've fallen into before, and maybe you have too. That sometimes you feel like you need to work and work and work, all so that, I, all that, so that you and I have enough money or status that can, we can be influential. And I'll be honest, doing those things, working hard, making a lot of money, and gaining status will definitely allow you to be influential in the world. I don't, I don't think we can say it's not. I mean, look at the world. There are pr- some pretty wicked and foolish people who are influential because they have money and they have status. But just because you walk the way of the foolish doesn't mean you won't be able to have impact. And that's not what Solomon, I don't think, is getting at when he says profit. What he's saying is that, sure, as a, as a wicked person, as a foolish person, you can have impact. But your impact is only temporal. And that's what the second one is. If you choose to walk the way of the wicked, you can expect your impact on this world to only be, t- be temporal. Um, and it, you can collect all the money you want. You can collect all the accolades you want. But it won't last. All the accolades will fade, and eventually somebody will achieve more. You can save up all the money you want, but eventually you'll spend it, and others will make more. But those who choose the path of the wicked, make it, or sorry, the wise, make an impact that is eternal. Make an impact that is eternal. Um, because this is what happens when you choose to live a life of righteousness and you set your things on the, on the things above. You set your eyes on the things above. You begin to think of an impact that stretches beyond the things of this world. You begin to think of the souls and hearts of people. So when you talk to somebody, you talk with purpose and you talk with reason. You begin to realize that what's important and what creates the most impact eternally and temporarily is not status, but relationships. You begin to invest in the hearts and lives of people. Uh, the first time I learned this was about a year ago. I was at student camp, um, whoop, whoop, and um, it was an awesome time. But I was sitting at a, a coffee table because every morning, um, two guys I talked with frequently at the time, Parker Murphy and Daniel Osborne, um, wanted to meet with me. We had met regularly throughout the year. And they wanted to meet me all throughout camp because they knew they were both going to be moving on in a few weeks to some pretty awesome things. Um, and so they just wanted to meet up. And so we met every morning that week of camp. Um, and during one of our last times meeting up, they both took the time to thank me for investing in their lives. Um, and at first, you know, if you know me, I just nudged it off. And I said, oh, no, that's cool. It's fine. It's good. It's okay. But no, and they were so insistent on it. And um, if I can be honest with you, that wrecked me. Um, absolutely blew my worldview to shreds because in that moment, 
I realize that I don't need to have money or a lot of accomplishments to make an impact on somebody that will last. What I did was I made an eternal impact, and all I did was meet with them frequently. And we read the Bible. We prayed together and talked about how maybe we could live a little bit more like Jesus. That's what it looks like to live in the path of the wise. It means to live knowing that eternal impact is only made through intentional Jesus-filled relationships. The internal, and this is so true, the eternal impact you have on one person will far outlast longer than any temporary influence you may have on this earth. Just one. And so maybe you look at your life and you realize you don't have a relationship like that. Well, how do you do that? How do you begin to walk in the way of the wise where you can have impact on people's lives, an eternal impact? I mean, then the one way to do that is just to fall on your knees and pray to God that he'll surround you with people. That he'll show, open your eyes to the opportunities in front of you. Pray to him that, and tell him that you seek to, to do life with others. That you seek to pour into others for, on his behalf. And I guarantee you he'll give it to you. And so up to this point, you know, we've been talking kind of about um, how either path and whichever one you choose affects people that surround us. But I think Solomon kind of makes a switch here um, from how those paths affect others to how they affect us. Because in verse 3 it says this, The Lord does not let the righteous go hungry, but he thwarts the craving of the wicked. And I don't know about you, but for me, um, one of the best feelings ever is really craving a food and having it satisfied. Who's with me? Yeah? For me, it's like pizza. Or even better yet, pizza rolls. Man, you can ask my friends. I will never stop talking about pizza rolls. I love them. And there's nothing like getting them when I'm craving them. Um. And so I think Solomon in the Proverbs is kind of writing about that same kind of thing. Maybe not pizza rolls. But he's saying that when you follow the path of the wise, you'll live a life that's satisfied. And so that's what this is. When you choose to walk in righteousness and you choose to live a life that's wise, God will satisfy every one of your desires. And Jesus kind of said the same kind of thing when he said, we'll live a life, if you follow him, a life more abundant. And so I think sometimes when we tend to read this, we tend to think of physical things like... Um, you know, money or food. And I think that's true. In Matthew 6, Jesus says, if the sparrows of the air are provided for and the um, lilies of the field have clothing, how much more will God take care of you? So I think we can definitely apply that verse to physical things. But I think Solomon just really wants to dig a little deeper here. Solomon is talking about our spiritual hunger. The hunger we have for purpose. The hunger we have for love. And the hunger we have for recognition. Solomon is saying that when we choose to walk in the way of the righteous and of the wise, God will satisfy that hunger. Because as we dig deeper into who God is, we will begin to desire more of who he is and what he can do. And God will continue to satisfy that hunger. And we'll lean deeper into God and want more of him. And then he'll satisfy that. And so on and so forth. And I love that word that Solomon chooses to use. He doesn't say God just fills that hunger. He doesn't say God just meets that hunger. But he says God satisfies that hunger. And that's how living in the way of the wise will affect you. It'll lead you to satisfaction spiritually. But for those who choose to walk in the way of the foolish, it says God thwarts their cravings. Solomon is saying that God will prevent their cravings from ever being satisfied. And so they'll go on to live a life of unsatisfaction or unsatisfied. They'll hunger for recognition. They'll hunger for love. They'll hunger for purpose and meaning but won't find it. They may strive to make a certain amount of money or gain a certain thing or to go to a certain place, but ultimately, ultimately, even once they've achieved this goal, they'll find that they're unsatisfied. 
And so when our hearts begin to walk down the path of the foolish, they become greedy and disillusioned about what really brings joy. And I don't think this hunger is limited to physical things. Maybe that hunger is emotional. But this, this is Solomon's point, that the impact that the foolish has on you is that you will live unsatisfied. So how do you become satisfied in God? How do you do it? How do you go from being unsatisfied in the way you're living, looking for love, looking for recognition, to being satisfied in who God is? I think you're going to have to seek his face in Scripture and in prayer more. So maybe even when you don't feel like it, dig a little deeper. And I think some of us, we're going to have to break down some walls between us and God. We're going to have to be vulnerable with him. Tell him how we really feel. Tell him what we really think. And I think when you find yourself doing that, God will move you to the path of the wise and he'll show you that he can satisfy every one of your needs. And so like most things, righteousness in the way of the wise is something you must pursue every day. Um, It's a decision that you have to make when you first wake up and your feet hit the ground. If you do not choose to pursue righteousness, then you automatically choose to walk the path of the wicked and foolish. You don't have to explicitly choose to go against God's word to walk the path of the foolish. And that might sound a little, this might sound a little harsh, but any path you take that is not guided by Scripture or the Holy Spirit is a step down the path of the foolish. Verse 4, Proverbs says this, A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. I think that's something important to mention about this proverb is that it isn't about wealth, but it is about laziness in our relationship to God. It's about being spiritually rich and not worldly rich. If you choose the foolish path, this will have a terrible impact on your spiritual life and relationship to God. It will leave you spiritually poor. And what I mean is by poor is I'm talking about the value of our relationship with God. Somebody who chooses the foolish path might start um, as somebody who seeks God. You might find value in him at first, but over time their relationship with God begins to fade into the background and maybe even becomes non-existent. This is because they become complacent or unmotivated. They stop pursuing God and leaning into him. Because of this, they become spiritually poor. This leads the people who choose the foolish path to forget the wonderfulness of God. They begin to forget his faithfulness and cease to see him as good even. But those who choose the wise path are those that seek God consistently. One of the things I said the last time I preached at the student camp was this. One of the greatest ways you can trust God is to follow him even when you don't feel like it. Even when you wake up that day and you, man, I don't feel like reading my Bible. Be consistent about it. And that's what it looks like to be spiritually rich. To walk the path of the wise. To be consistent in your walk. To be diligent about it. So if you begin to see your relationship with God, take a backseat to the world. Choose to seek him consistently. Because as you see God, as we talked about earlier, your heart becomes more and more open to him. And he'll continue to reveal himself to you. And your faith will grow stronger. Just out in the world is a process um, to become wealthy. It's a process, and you have to work hard, and it takes time, and it takes trust to also become spiritually rich. Whatever path you choose to go down will greatly determine the spiritual wealth of your relationship with God. You'll either be spiritually poor, or you'll be spiritually rich. The last proverb in this section that we're going through says this. It says, He who gathers in summer is a prudent son. But he who sleeps in harvest is the son who brings shame. 
Jesus himself said to his disciples that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And I think this is the harvest that Solomon is talking about. He points out that the people who choose the path of the wise are awake to the harvest. And in fact, he says they are prudent, they're careful. And one of the definitions of prudence that I love is that it means to think about the future. And so the person who is on the wise path is not only awake to the harvest, but is working it with care and with love, trying to prepare and do all he can for the times that are to come. And so the wise are those that go after the harvest. And that's what this one is. If you're wise and you're living a life of righteousness, you're going to chase the harvest. You're going to seek God in that. Uh, can, you, can you say that is you? That you see people with compassionate eyes like Jesus did. And so then you do all that you can to cultivate the harvest, to cultivate relationships with people in this life, and to bring them and to make sure their future is secure. Or are you like the foolish, asleep, missing all that is happening? Solomon says that the foolish ones is the person that ignores the harvest. And that's what this one is. Sometimes ignoring it, whoops, ignoring it might be seeing it, but not doing anything about it. So maybe that's where you lie. I know, I mean, I've definitely been there. And the, the foolish one is the one who will make excuses on why not to collect the harvest right now. Or somebody that would see it as too inconvenient or too hard. And so if this is you, will you wake up? Will we see that the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few? Will you take steps to cultivating the lives of others and relationships, to showing people they're important? Never too late is it for you to start working and cultivating the harvest. And so we've covered a lot and we've looked at the potential impact that each path has on our lives um, as believers and even non-believers. Uh, we've seen that those who the Proverbs call wise, those who live righteousness out and live by the word, are people that live biblically. They make eternal impact. They live lives that are satisfied in who Christ is for them. Are, they're spiritually wealthy in their relationship with God and are people that care for and go after the harvest. And while those who choose the foolish path are those who leave emotional and, emotional and uh, hurtful wake behind them, make an impact that at most is only temporal, live a life where they can't find satisfaction, one where they are spiritually poor and they do not have a great relationship with God, and they ignore the harvest that is plentiful. And so we have to ask ourselves, which path are we, are we on? Because we're going to make some kind of impact on those around us. The path you choose is going to make some kind of impact on us. Are we going to let it be one that's filled with the way and love of Christ? One where people may look at our lives and see that maybe we didn't have everything, but we were satisfied and joyful. Will they see that we had a strong faith and truly cared for people? Or will they see that we didn't care how others' lives affected our own? We didn't care about God, and, we, and then we even had everything, but we still had nothing. And I truly want to ask you tonight, where are you? And so I pray for God to reveal to us where in our lives we are on each path. If you struggle considering others, ask him to surround you with people you can trust to pour into your life and that can point that out in your life. If you feel like you don't have the same relationship with God that you used to have, then pray for him to open your eyes to his love again. Whatever it is for you, strive to be in the path of the wise. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word and for the book of Proverbs. Lord, convict our hearts and lead us deeper into who you are. For Father, we want to walk in the way of the wise. We want to make decisions 
decisions that have eternal impact on the lives of those around us. We wanna be eager in working the harvest. And God, we wanna have a relationship with you that is rich and that is strong. So Holy Spirit, move in us and move us to action. Give us a hunger and a curiosity that can only be satisfied by more of you. We love you, Lord. We pray all this confidently in your name, Jesus. Amen.